Well, hello, and welcome to episode 45 of Kindled, a podcast where women share stories of motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. This week, I am chatting with Rachel Joy, the founder of Sparrow Women and Sparrow Conference. I am going to be honest, this is one of my favorite episodes ever. Rachel Joy is officially my spirit animal. (laughs) You may think I'm kidding, but no, in fact, I am not. Rachel is amazing. We talk about a lot of stuff in here. We are both Enneagram 3s, so if you do not have a lot of energy right now, you might want to turn this episode off as it may overwhelm you, (laughs) but no, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. One of my favorite things Rachel says in this interview is that she is learning how to run as hard as she can in her God-given assignment all the way as long as he tells her to. She is multi-passionate just like me, and we talk a lot about how that doesn't mean we are wrong or broken or unfocused or bad at life just because we have a lot of different things that we're interested in or that we do. So if you're someone that believes and feels that you're multi-passionate and often feel distracted by the next shiny anything, um, you might find this conversation really encouraging. Before we get started with the conversation, I have a couple announcements. The first announcement is about Kindled's first birthday. I am planning an anniversary episode in which I'm going to air the stories of women who listen to the show. In order to do that, you have to actually share your story with me. So I have set it up to where you can call in to um, a phone line that is a recorded voicemail. And on that voicemail, I invite you to share your story. I invite you to share your difficulties, your pain, your failure and need of forgiveness, uh, your joy or your triumph or um, his victory in your life. Share with others whatever is on your heart. And I have some prompts to help you think about what you might want to share. Here's a couple of ideas. You can answer the question, how have you failed the world's or your own expectations? And how does that point you back to Jesus? So what's something you've experienced that was a disappointment in the world's eyes or even in your eyes that God used for good in your life? What is God teaching you in your motherhood or work? How is he growing you or transforming your mind or empowering you? How do you take the reality of grace to heart and live in it on a daily basis? How does it change your day in the small moments? And then how have you seen your understanding of your motherhood and work change as you've grown spiritually? There's four ideas that you could speak on. Um, You don't have to do all four. Maybe just pick one and tell your story. It can be as short or as long as you want. The voicemail records for three minutes. So you have three minutes to tell your story. And then if you need more time, just call back and leave another message. Now, I'm going to be honest, I have not received one call yet. So I am praying for you that you would have boldness to step forward and share your Share your growth, share your hard thing, share um, what God is teaching you or how you're living in grace or moment by moment, as painful or as messy as it may be. Um, You can share about a specific scenario or just in general, whatever you want to. But I believe that God asks us to speak even when we feel ill-equipped, even when we feel like we don't know what to say or how to tie things up with a nice little bow. He doesn't need us to do that work. Our job is just to show up and be faithful, and he does the hard work. 
So I am giving you the platform. I'm handing the mic to you and saying, please join me on Kindled and tell your story. This episode is going to air February 4th, God willing, if anyone sends in any, um, anything to share. I am trusting that God will um, embolden those who need to. And yeah, that if it's, if it's supposed to happen, that it will. If you are ready to share, head to kindledpodcast.com slash anniversary. And there you will find all the information and the, the questions that I read and any prompts and kind of instructions for how to call in. Can't wait to hear from you. So uh, besides that, the other thing that I want to let you know about is our updated Patreon membership. So there's a couple new Patreon benefits and a more simplified Patreon platform. So there are now only two levels, a $5 and a $9 a month level. They are called sparklers and fireworks. Kindled, get it? Come on, this is a mom joke. But okay, so for the price of your fancy coconut milk latte and a cake pop, you can support this podcast and help keep it afloat. So I wanted to make Patreon a more exciting opportunity to get to know each other and to get to know this little community. So I developed a couple new benefits for each of those levels. So for the $5 level, you're going to receive an exclusive training um, every single month. And it's going to either have, you know, be be kind of in the realm of your work or your motherhood. Um, I will be also interviewing content experts and people with expertise in the areas of things like time management, balancing entrepreneurship and motherhood, parenting, and more. Sometimes it'll be me and sometimes it'll be with a guest. So this month, the training is going to be on a topic I heard from a lot of you that you wanted help on, and that is time management. So each month, there'll be a different training that you'll have exclusive access to if you're at that $5 level. And um, yeah, that's just for Patreon members only. And then if you support Kindled at the $9 fireworks level, I'm going to invite you to join my husband, Joey, and I um, on a monthly chat and you're welcome to bring your husband along. This conversation is going to be a place that we can get to know members of this community and offer encouragement and advice when it comes to making marriage and family and a business work. Um, We can't speak to everyone's experiences, but we can speak to ours. And really, I just want to get to know you guys better. And this is a way I can do that. So I'm really excited for that new opportunity and place that we're going to be able to engage with you and, and actually to know people and faces. And so if you are interested in joining us and supporting us, you can learn more at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. Um, this podcast will always be free for you to listen to. So if that's not something you can do, or you're already supporting other podcasts or ministries, I totally understand. I still want you to keep listening. This is just an invitation to take one step further and support content that you love and help it to continue on. Okay, guys, and now for my conversation with Rachel. So today on Kindled, we have Rachel Joy joining us. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, So we already just like got off to the races without even doing our introductions. I would love for you to uh, introduce yourself and your family to the listeners. Yes. So um, I live here in Dallas, Texas. Um, my husband is a pastor at the Village Church in Flower Mound, and we have four kids. Um, we have Addie, who's 10, Ben, who's eight, Everett is five, and Annie Jo is two. 
And so we have a very crazy, busy, full life. I'm a working mama. I um, started a conference that grew into a full-blown ministry and actually started as a Bible study in my home. It's called Sparrow Women, and we exist to catalyze the next generation of reconcilers, meaning peacemakers. Hmm. So cool. So I have heard of Sparrow just through, you know, because I'm an avid podcast listener. So I've heard about the conference. I've never been, but it sounds amazing. And you started it, you just said, from a Bible study in your home. Yes. So, yes. I mean, how do you go from like Bible study to yeah. na- national conference? I mean, how, how in the world? And when, when did that first Bible study happen? Yeah, that first Bible study was in 2011. Okay. Um, and then we had our first conference in 2012. And really, it was a building time. If I'm really honest and vulnerable, this is what happened. And I am one that... I think if you can learn from how the Lord stripped me of some things, um, you can see how he makes beauty from ashes is what's true about this situation. So I had gone through steps recovery at my church and really the Lord broke me a a lot of really hard things um, in my heart, in my life. And so um, I experienced freedom for the first time and felt free enough to walk in who God made me to be. Um, I stopped comparing. So what is Steps Recovery? I don't know what that is. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Steps Recovery is a program at our church, and it's every week. And what you do is you walk through your past. You walk through the difficult things that you have experienced and really ask the Lord to redeem and recover a lot of those things. And it's really a time of healing. It's a beautiful process um, where you get to own your story. You get to own your story. You get to recover from it and you get to walk in the newness of life um, that God's called you up into. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I say beauty from ashes because it was such a stripping process of me. You know, I just, (laughs) honestly, when I got into recovery, I was like, I don't, I don't need to be here. Like I'm, I'm all good. But what I had heard about recovery beforehand was it was for, it's for addictions, things like that, like drug addiction, alcohol addiction, things like that. And I was like, that's not me. That's not, that's not where I'm at. But I got in there and I tell you what, the Lord blew me up. He was like, yeah, you might not do those things yet. You, you do have idols you worship. You do have control and pride and things like that, that I'm going to strip you of because I want to do something new. Um, And he's so faithful. You know this. He's so faithful to continually make us into the image of Jesus. Uh, And so that was a part of my process. So from there, I was like, I'm freed up. I want everybody to be free. And so I invited five girls into my home. They were younger girls um, in college or right out of college, invited them over and girls do as girls do. And they invited their friends. So it grew from five to 25 in a couple of weeks and, um, or throughout the semester, I guess. And really what I saw happen there was what second Corinthians talks about second Corinthians five and also Ephesians two, where the gospel, when it's proclaimed, it has the ability to make peace in our hearts, right? Through the blood of Jesus. But it also 
catalyzes us into peacemaking with others. So it talks about in Ephesians where that dividing wall comes down when the gospel is proclaimed and received. And so I saw that in that group who the Lord brought into my home. It was a very diverse group, lots of different backgrounds and stories, and lots of really difficult things were talked about that were experienced in these women's pasts. And so as we started studying the word of God, it does, there was a lot of healing. People came to know the Lord um, through that Bible study. And so we kind of built out, okay, what did we just experience together? Truth, freedom. So truth brings about freedom. Freedom brings about a new identity in Christ. I don't have to wrestle for my identity. He tells me, informs me who I am. I'm a daughter of the King and that means something. And that's something Christians I feel like throw around like, you're a daughter of the King. But when we really take hold of what that actually means, our inheritance, what we've been given and what we're emboldened with, that means something, you know, that means something. And so from there, we have our purpose. When we know who we are and whose we are, we immediately have a purpose. And so from there, we started this kind of grassroots, rough around the edges, real raw conference that talked about truth and talked about culture and how we lean into culture. We started at UNT and uh, what's funny is we had like the tiniest budget you've ever seen in your life. It was like none, zero. Mm-hmm. And the Lord just provided as he does. And we, uh, I had some of my friends come and speak at it. We had worship and the Lord was faithful to just, again, do that whole pattern of truth begets freedom freedom begets identity, identity begets purpose. And so we did that over and over and over again. I did that thing with the Lord where you're like, we're never going to move from Denton. We're not going to do that Mm -hmm. because Denton's like this kind of rough around the edges town. And um, it was just a sweet place and I didn't want to move. And I said, only if two things happen, somebody gives us a free building (laughs) to have this conference in. And number two, that uh, SMU, one of the colleges down there calls and says, come bring it down. And and we're going to send some of our women there. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, two days later, that happened. <laughs> Both wow. things. And wow. so we moved to Dallas and we've been there ever since. And so the conference has turned into more of a full-blown ministry, but that's that's how it all started. And so you asked, how did I, we transition from that? Mm-hmm. By the grace of God and just this burning fire in our guts that women could walk in freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. that's really what transitioned us all. So, yeah, gosh, that's such a beautiful story. And I love what you said that truth brings freedom, freedom brings identity and identity brings purpose. Yeah. And in that order, I really, that resonates a lot with even my own story, even though I didn't start a conference. It's just so, uh, I see like places in my life where that trajectory has gotten stalled, you know, and I've maybe I've known the truth and I've known that I was free, but I didn't know quite what my identity was yet. I was still Mm -hmm. kind of searching for, okay, what's my identity? I just don't feel, and I was telling you this before we did our intro, like that was the time for me about a year ago, really, that my identity really came into question. I was like, hold on. And God really told me you are not your work. And that was the moment for me that was like, 
tr- just everything flipped on its head. If I'm not my work, then I, I'm freed. I'm, you know, and it kind of, it's like that cycle that it, it keeps, it pushes you forward into more freedom and more freedom. And okay, if I'm not my work, then I can pursue something that I'm not the best at. I can pursue something new. I can pursue something that I'm passionate about that you've given me a desire for. And in doing that, I find much greater purpose than just doing this thing that I think I can be the best at, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I love that, just that line of of thinking and, and experience. So that sounds like it's kind of all wrapped up in a neat little bow, but I, I know it definitely, it wasn't, it didn't feel that way when you were living it, you know? I mean, how many no. kids at the time did you have when that started all happening? Yeah. So we had two kids at the time that Sparrow launched and now we have four. And yes, when you say it's not been easy, um, just gut level honest, it has not been easy in the, in the least bit. The thing that has kept me going is knowing that God has given me this. He has given this to me to steward. Mm -hmm. And, and then he's also given this to my children also. Mm -hmm. So I bring them into the work. We talk about we talk about my work as if they are a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my daughter is, um, you know, now she's 10, but my kids, when the conference happens, they're there. Um, mm-hmm. Now, not the younger two, because they would be running around like crazy people, but yeah. they're there. I try to bring them in and just to make sure that they know that as believers, I, I think here, here's the thing that I, I guess I want to express. We are... Um, a family, and we're a part of a bigger family, um, a family of believers, the church. And we are here, we are sojourners on this earth. We are aliens on this earth. And we have been saved and sent. We were never, and I, we talk about this a lot as a family now. Two of my kids are believers, and two of them are not. And so, uh, meaning they haven't come to faith yet. And so, but we talk about how God doesn't save you and then put you on a bookshelf and say, stay there and look pretty. He says, I saved you. Now go. You are to walk in the newness of life and, and you are to be reconcilers and missionaries here on this earth, no matter what that looks like, no matter if that's in your home, if that's your neighbors, but we are all called to that. And so I use Sparrow as an example. I want you to come. I want you to hear the words that are being expressed on stage. And we talk about it afterwards now, not right after, because I'm pretty exhausted right after the conference. <laughs> but I sit down with my daughter and we really talk about what, what did you hear that you love? What did you, um, what do you want more of? And I actually draw her into this experience because, man, it's so much fuller for me as a mom mm-hmm. um, to have her some part involved in this, mm-hmm. but it has been sticky because mom guilt is a real thing. My work draws me away in some spaces mm-hmm. and I have to be out of town. Sometimes I have to be on my computer working. And so I've tried to do my best to organize my schedule, but that tug and pull, man, it is, it is hard. And my, and really, I just have to go back to, okay, God, you have asked me to steward this. You have equipped me for the work ahead. You have done that already. And you are, um, you have also given me these sweet babies um, that I am to disciple them first and foremost. And I want to, man, I just want to love them well and love them enough to draw them into the work, you know? 
Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. All of that. I just, I identify with so much because, you know, although our work looks very different and I'm not really traveling a whole lot for my work, I can do most of it from home. There are still always times and moments where you would rather be doing something else. You would Mm -hmm. rather be sitting with your family, watching a movie with no thought as to anything that needs you or anything that you should be doing or those emails that are unanswered or those voicemails that, or that schedule that has to be, you know, figured out for the next week. At least for me, I know sometimes I'm just like, it would be so much easier if I just didn't do anything. Like if I just pulled out of all of the things, if I could just, why can't I just be content? Sometimes I think that like, why can't I just be content with not doing so much? Like, why do I, why am I doing so much? Like, I don't need this. I don't need this. But, you know, and and I don't want to be annoying by talking only about the Enneagram. I'm not trying to do that. But I know that like my propensity when I'm in stress is to go to a nine, which like they're, when they're unhealthy is like the lazy or lethargy and just like not doing, like they just don't do stuff. Like their thing is like, if they're, oh, I have so much to do, maybe I'll take a nap. Like that's what the, the nine would kind of, (laughs) that's what their thing is. So I know that about myself. That's one thing that, that it's been helpful to learn. Like, okay, when I feel myself going, I should just stop doing everything. That isn't really like, that's not from God. That is from my sinful nature and my mind telling me that if you can't do it all perfectly and you can't be all things to all people perfectly, i.e. Jesus, you know, then you shouldn't do anything and you should just give up. And so those are lies. Like I I know I've come to realize those are actually lies and I don't need to give them voice and give them power in my life. And as recently as like last, I don't know, it was maybe in the last month that I had this like time where I was praying about those very thoughts of, uh, you know, gosh, I just feel like I'm doing so much and I want to make sure I'm not doing too much. So how do I know? So I know I'm high capacity. I know I can handle a lot, but it doesn't mean that I should be at the full brink, you know, of like uh, almost spilling over, right? It doesn't mean that's like where I always need to be. So I was just praying like, how God help me know, help me have discernment in in what is wise for me to engage with and what is is not wise or what you don't need or are not asking me to do right now or what would just be my pride or my wanting to kind of glorify myself. How do I know that? Where's that line? And help me know. And I really did for the first time, I think here him tell me and the spirit really affirm in me, like, I made you a high capacity person for a reason. And it wasn't like a guilt laden, like, oh, so you've got to do a lot. But it was like, stop thinking that that is only a negative thing. Stop thinking that you being able to handle a lot is only going to be a problem for you because you take on too much. It's also how I made you because I am asking you to do more than I'm asking some people to do. And that's okay. You don't need to look at the other moms who don't work. You don't need to look at the other moms who, you know, are homeschooling and say, well, I should be doing that because that's the better way. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not good enough. That's letting comparison drive, you know, drive your purpose. And that's not what I've asked you to do. So Mm -hmm. I just really felt like for the first time that that affirmation from God and, and the spirit telling me like, you actually are high capacity for a reason. It's not only a bad thing. It's like this... Mm -hmm be freed to walk in those gifts. And and yes, it's like, it's great that you recognize this could be a stumbling block. This could be a stumbling block, but don't only view that as, you know, as a negative. I don't know. I guess I just, I'm, I'm very prone to think like, what, what bad could come of this? Like, and I'm always like, 
uh, I go towards the six in that nature of like uh, risk assessment. Like, let's find all the terrible ways that I could ruin our life, you know, by like Mm -hmm. doing too much and saying yes too much. And it's anyways, that's just my own personal, like anecdote to what you're saying of you're doing a lot. (laughs) And I know that that is not the easiest, it's not the easiest road forward, right? Like you could find an easier road. You could just be like technically, I mean, in the eyes of the world, I'm not saying it would actually be easier because that conviction wouldn't go away. Like God wouldn't let you rest in that, but that's right. um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I am an Enneagram three. So I do, uh, I want to wear lots of hats. Um, I can wear lots of hats. And so, but there's a point where, um, I have learned the hard way to say no Mm -hmm. more often because, um, my friend Kat, she's a dear friend. We've been friends since college, but she said, you have an assignment. God's given you an assignment. Mm -hmm. And so, and assignments in sometimes, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. but overall, um, God's given me an assignment and I'm going to run as long as he tells me to in that direction, discipling my children all along the way into this mission that we have Mm -hmm. here. And so that Enneagram three, I have learned about my, you know, (laughs) Some of these podcasts on the Enneagram, the Sleeping at Last songs. Have you heard this? Oh yeah, oh, I love it. Oh my, it's I, I it like <laughs> I I cannot make it through one of those episodes without boohooing. I, I think I can relate to a lot of the numbers, but then yeah. too, like when I when I specifically the two and the three, mm-hmm. man, those it it hits that place in you of per, uh, for me, it hit the place of because um, you know it's how you coped growing up, it's yeah. how you yeah. coped with how what you was, learned to deal in the world, yeah, exactly how you learn to deal in the world, and uh, there are parts of that 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 grieve me. You know, there are parts of looking back and going, Ooh, that makes me so sad because I can see the pattern at which I kept that going and that I still keep it going. So knowing myself as a three, knowing that I can wear hat, Mm -hmm. but also knowing if I'm going to complete this assignment, if I'm going to do what God's asked me to do, that does mean that I can't wear those three hats over yeah. there. Oh, right. And that's, totally. and that's, that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. that's okay. But I do, um, I, I understand. I really relate to what you said for the longest time. I had a very difficult time going, I'm a high capacity person. Mm-hmm. That's the way God made me. And that's okay. I did yeah. really, really struggle with what's wrong with me. Why yeah. can't I just be content do, with do the less. one or two? Yeah. Why do, why does it have to be all these things? And it's funny because the spirit, I felt like kept leading me to all those things. And yes. I'm so interested in all those things. Yeah. And, um, and it really, what's funny about being higher capacity and wanting to be involved in all those things. I feel like I, that's how the Lord speaks to me is yeah. through different experiences and different things mm-hmm. and different cultures and uh, all yeah. of these things. And so I think I'm just ready um, as a leader. I've been reading uh, Brené Brown's Dare to Lead. Mm, it's I like just, a sh- I have that in my library. It's about oh lord, it's like a shot to the heart. <sighs> um, but it's good because I, I'm I, I'm ready to stand and walk in the way that He's wired me mm-hmm. instead of turning the finger on myself and going, "You should be more like this. Yes. You should be more like that." Right. And going, "This is how God made me." Mm. I'm not going to apologize for how God made me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk in it 
humbly hearing from him, being rooted in his word and having people around me, a small group around me (laughs) that lean in on me and push me and hold me accountable because they know my goals. They know my goals for my family. They know my goals for friendship. They know uh, my goals for, and I I don't, I I mean, I probably shouldn't call them goals, but what I want uh, for my family, for my, yeah, Mm -hmm. what I want for my church, all of those things. So Mm -hmm. it's just really important. I can't stress enough to have those people in your life that are, that know, they know you're an Enneagram three (laughs) and they're like, girl, you said that these are the assignments that you're supposed to complete. Yes. And so uh, I've heard it done before where you have a family mission statement and mm-hmm. everything that you do funnels through that family mission statement. Mm. I think it's important to have a family mission statement and like subsets, like my mission statement where I'm going, right. yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do those things because this is what, this is what God's asked me to do in this season. And I'm yeah. going to run like heck to complete it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's so good, man. It's really freeing to know your mission, be specific about it, and then have buckets accordingly. Um, So for example, I'm in a season with four kids where I am doing Sparrow and that is a lot. And Mm -hmm. so I have to say no more than I say yes, Mm -hmm. but I want to say yes all the time. And so um, what I ended up doing was I have buckets. I have a church bucket. I have a family bucket. I have a sparrow bucket. Those are where the Lord has called me to right now, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And within churches, obviously community and things like that, but that's that's it. So, yeah, I love that. I I mean, it, it is, it becomes essential. It's not even just a good idea. It's like, you don't have a choice, you know, and you, you've got to like, you've got to have some way to, to make those decisions because they, they're coming at you all the time. I mean, every day I've heard the stat of like how many, I think we make like 3000 decisions in a day. It's exhausting. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It is. Especially like you said, when you're, you do feel spirit led to a lot of things that you're like, but this is how I'm growing. And this is how I'm learning so much. And I want to be doing that. And it's, you know, it's all the time kind of weighing like both and like, yes, you can, you, you, it's not like you only just can only do one thing, but also you don't have to do all the things and there's freedom for you to do that. And for you to reevaluate that all the time with God and, mm-hmm. and to ask him. And he, I think he is always faithful to give you an answer in some way, shape or form, whether he just delivers that prayer request, like he did for you those two days later, or closes a door and, you mm-hmm. know, or gives you a, a lack of peace in your spirit about moving forward. Like, I mean, that's what this having the Holy Spirit in us does for us is we, we can move forward in strength and, and confidence, or we can just have a check and go, I don't, not yet, or not at all. You know, we, we can have that, um, which is such a beautiful thing about being a believer is having that, uh, you know, having that real map on our, on our hearts, um, towards truth. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, yes. So I wanted to ask you about this. You continued to have children after you started Sparrow. Okay. So yes. I love that, like, you didn't let your, what you f- saw as this, you know, this ministry and this assignment that God was giving you and asking you to steward make you stop having children. <laughs> and maybe that sounds silly, but honestly, for me, that's like, oh, okay. Cool. That's good to know. Because I think, and I've talked to other guests who said like they actually, they found at one point in their work that 
the next right thing for them to do was actually that they wanted to have another kid and that they had been believing it was Heather Borsma said she had been believing that that uh, having another child would thwart what God was doing in her ministry. And she was like, that's so backwards. Like, I can't believe I believe that. But yeah. is that like a struggle for you? Or was it just, did you kind of keep moving forward with like your, your plan for your guys' family? Or I'm just curious to know what that looked like for you. Yes. I think that I've always wanted a big family. That mm-hmm. was something that was important to, to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, what, what was a grace from the Lord is that I, I was like, you know, I, I would like to have more kids and I want to have this hub of a family here. Um, I want to build this and maybe it's that three in me probably, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to, I want to build this culture in our family that's yeah. lively and joyful and big. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I laugh because it feels like Christmas morning, every morning, like yeah. that kind of chaos, yeah. you yep. know, I, I know. Yes. Woo! I'm the oldest yes. of five. So I get Oh, it. you are. Yeah. Yes. You totally get it. Was your family big growing up? Sorry, no, sure. we had two kids. We had okay. two kids, uh, two kids in our family and we were six years apart. So, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, I think on the sparrow side of things, I knew that I really felt confident that the Lord was going to continue it. If God wants this ministry of Sparrow to continue, then he won't. Like me having children is not going to thwart his plans. Mm-hmm. And you know what's been the craziest thing? <laughs> the dependence that has uh, that I've been drawn into because of that. I will tell you, Sparrow has grown leaps and bounds <laughs> even after having children. And I think it's that going. It's going, I'm open-handed. God, you've given me these children that I, that I am, um, their gifts and their arrows and I want to love them and serve them and disciple them. And I have this ministry over here, but these children are, this is my hub. This is my priority. Mm -hmm. Yet I also have this huge ministry that you've given me. And I'm so grateful. It created this dependence of like, if you want this to continue, God, please do your will in it in the trust that had to happen there and what he did with it was far better than what I could ever do ever control ever what he has done through Sparrow there have been times when I'm like only you God mm. only you could have done that because no part of me could have achieved that at all mm-hmm. and so I, I do think that there's an element of um, just trust dependence and God, God being God and me being me. And I think me being okay with being me that yeah. I can't achieve yeah. that thing into success. You yeah. Know? It's just so cool. Like that, you know, and I don't even know all the things he's done through it that, I, that clearly you do, but like not only in the lives of other people, the people that have attended, the people that have come in contact with your ministry, but in your own life through the dependence, through the relationships, through the, the struggle of juggling, um, four kids and a ministry and like that, that's actually the means that he's used to give you the things that you've prayed for, you know, the lack of ability, the lack of capacity, the lack of achievement, like that's exactly how he has met, you know, probably many prayers of that you have, um, had and made, uh, for Mm -hmm. growth and for help and for sustenance, you know, it's like, that's, that's how he does it. A lot of times is in, I actually don't have what it takes. 
And mm-hmm. now I really need you, you know, and <laughs> like, we always really do, but we only sometimes recognize that, you know, and sometimes, yes. especially when we can handle it or can control everything, we think, all right, thank you for giving me this thing that I feel really good about. And then the second you don't feel really good about it, you're like, oh gosh, I need you. And if you're still going to ask me to do this, it has to be you. It can't be me because I, yes. I know that I'm certain that I can't do it, you know? So yes, yes. And two, I think it's looking back and it's praising him in the mountaintops when it's really good mm-hmm. and learning the hard things of praising him in the valleys mm-hmm. when it's really hard, because that's only going to create the dependence to get back to that mountaintop again. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I can say this because I'm not in it right now. However, um, I think that if I were to look back and go, I'm having a baby and say that when, after Annie was born, I look back and Sparrow is no more. Can I rejoice Mm. in the fact that Sparrow is no more and praise him for what he did at that set aside time? Like, Mm -hmm. can, can my lips praise him for that, even if it doesn't continue? And I think that's the essence of holding things so open-handed. And really, honestly, it's been a really difficult um, time of God really prying like every finger open Mm -hmm. from my hands. And a lot of that has come through children (laughs) is, is I, I'm going to have to be open-handed um, about all of this. And can I look back if he closes doors, can I look back and go all glory be to you. You had that season set aside. You brought forth fruit in that season and God, thank you for, thank you for that. And then looking toward what is ahead and maybe going, okay, maybe it's a different assignment now. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. just, you have to be open-handed. Yeah. About it all. Yeah. I love the whole calling and assignment thing. I know that's Kat Harris that you're talking about, right? It's a Cat Armstrong. You know Cat Armstrong? Cat Armstrong. Yes. 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 I love Cat Harris too. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) I got, yes, I know the difference, but no, I I talked with her about coming on the show. It was like back in the summer and I think she was like finishing up a book. So she was like, we gotta, we gotta reschedule. Yes. Yes. um, And actually I just chatted with Heather McFadden of um, Don't Mom Alone. And she was like, I know she's awesome. But she and I talked a lot about the whole calling and assignment thing. And I kept, I kept saying like, so my calling and I kept like referencing my work as my calling. I was like, I know it's not that, but I like, I'm trying to change the language, you know, because it's built into how we talk, like remembering, like, I know that's not actually my, my ultimate calling, but it, it's, it's so built into like our culture and, and how we talk about our work that you got to disconnect it. And that it's, it's a lot deeper than we realize often. Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is. I want to talk about this idea of being a reconciler because yeah, actually this is just like such crazy timing. Last night I listened to an episode of Don't Mom Alone that was actually called Reconciled Reconcilers. Mm-hmm. And with Andy Andrew, and I loved that episode because I'm actually on a, in a personal note, we have some tension and some strife going on in our extended family with my husband mm-hmm. and I. And so this concept that they were, you know, really breaking down, like, what does it mean to be a reconciler? It was just very, it's very timely for me. And then I go onto your website last night, or I think I, I did go last night, but then today I was on it and it hit me differently. But I just like opened the homepage and there's the word peacemaker. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, because more backstory. A couple of weeks ago at BSF, I go to BSF on Wednesdays. They were, I was sharing about the situation and some women were like, you know, I think what you need to know is there's a big difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you're, that's a hundred percent what is going on right now. Like I have been a peacekeeper and not a peacemaker. And I Mm -hmm. had to own like that. I have a role. I have a responsibility. Keeping the peace is just kind of like everyone, everyone be quiet. Everyone's fine. Everyone's fine. Keep everyone happy. But that's not really making peace. There wasn't really true peace. And so God's obviously doing a lot in my own personal life and around this topic. But um, I would love to hear from you kind of like what, what that means to you to be a reconciler and, and how you talk about that in your, in Sparrow. Yeah. So second Corinthians five talks about, um, that we're reconciled to God. And because we're reconciled to God, that means that our relationship, what, what, what was once broken has been made whole again. We have communion with the father through the blood of Jesus. That is reconciliation. Mm -hmm. But what Paul says, it's the craziest thing. He says, now you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. This is our hope. This is our goal. This is what we're fighting for in the world around us. And that's why when you turn on the news, you see the opposite because it's the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything is divided. Um, Everything is about comparison. I mean, you get on Instagram and it, why does it rip you to shreds sometimes if you're not in a good place? Because this is the world that we operate in. We like to draw lines in the sand. And so what God has set us up to do is make peace in the world around us, whether that be in our home, to our neighbor. But he does, He says to do it through the gospel of peace. Mm-hmm. Over and over again in the scriptures, it says that Jesus, he is our peace. He is our peace. Okay. And then we have the gospel of peace that brings us peace within our inner being. Right. It says um, also in Ephesians, those who were far off and those who were near, he brought peace to both. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, we are to bring peace to those who are near and far off. We are to imitate Christ. And so to be a reconciler in the world is to learn to walk in love and to see people, I mean, really see people. I think we're such a busy society that we can go from one thing to the next and we can uh, be talking on our phones and not really see people at the checkout line, like the person who's checking us out. We can, we can not see the person in the hallway at school who's hurting. We can, um, and by see, I mean, ask questions, know their story. Mm-hmm. I feel like the more that you know their story, because, you know, Jesus, the woman at the well, right? He's like, I know you, I know that you've had husbands and right now you're living with someone who is not, mm-hmm. you know, I know what's been going on. And so it's like, he knew her story mm-hmm. and he didn't judge her, but he spoke truth to her. Mm-hmm. And he, by that brought peace there mm-hmm. to where she's running back into town. Right. And she's like, I met this man he brought me peace, um, and so on and so forth. So, um, we are to be reconcilers in the world, um, bringing peace to those around us through the gospel of peace. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I mean, and this is more than we have time for today. But what the gospel does is it breaks down every 
dividing line, every division. That's what it says in Ephesians, everything, every division. So if the gospel breaks down every division and I am put on mission as a reconciler, that means I can lean into really hard things and make Mm -hmm. peace because I know him who is perfect peace. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the doing of this is stinking messy because what we have to own is we are to make peace, but we can't control what's on the other side of that. Right. Our job is to plant those seeds and make peace as much as we can. The backlash is the hard piece. And those are things where uh, dependence comes up once more, where mm-hmm. you depend on the Lord for what he will do by his spirit and the other person. Yeah. Um, so we talk a lot at Sparrow about making peace across cultural lines, across ethnicities, across socioeconomics, because what's happened, and this is just a cultural thing, but what's happened is typically majority culture will go across to these maybe impoverished people, maybe marginalized people, and we will throw money at them, or we will volunteer for a hot minute, but making peace is entering in. Like Jesus didn't go to people and throw money, go to people and sweep by them. But you know what he did? He dined with them. He dined with them. He entered into a degree into their stories and met them in those places and brought about peace through entering in. And I I think that if we tried to understand the systems at play, really, if we try to understand the stories that women have, um, then we could reach across the table and enter in and mm-hmm. bring peace, you know, and, yeah. and just, you know, I, I think that's what reconciliation, there's gospel reconciliation to the father, and then there's implications of reconciliation to the father mm-hmm. that we're sent on mission as reconcilers. Yeah. We get to make peace. And I totally understand that's something that we talked about last year at the conference is making peace is hard and keeping peace is easier. It yeah. just is. Yeah. And just this, you know, like you just mentioned there, there first has to be vertical reconciliation before there can be horizontal. So that doesn't mean between both parties, but that means between me and God, like I mm-hmm. have to be reconciled to him in order to carry out the ministry of reconciliation here on earth across the aisle or across the table or across yep. the city or across my home, you know? And so I can't move forward with that until I am truly reconciled to him. And so if I feel like, you know, in my own story, in inability or like, I don't, um, I don't feel like I have what it takes to do that. Or why do I feel so much resistance to this forward, this horizontal ministry of reconciliation? It's likely because I'm not walking in the true freedom that he purchased for me. And I'm not, I'm not actually allowing that to change every part of myself. And that means you have to recognize that you are actually free, that the blood of Christ is more powerful than that division. Like you said, the gospel breaks down every division and that you are, if you are reconciled to God, whatever that response is to you making peace or pursuing peace with all men has no bearing on you. It has no um, implication on you ultimately, you know, because mm. you can only control yourself. You can only, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And so that's what we have to do. 
Mm-hmm. And like you said, the hard part is not requiring and not having the, the unset expectation of what the response should be or will be to that. Um, and that is where, like you said, we have to depend on him and have to mm-hmm. recognize and, and trust that that ultimately we cannot make peace. The only one who can is, is Christ, even on earth. You know, we can pursue peace and we can, we can, you know, image him in that way, but we cannot create peace in the heart of the other person or the other community or whatever. You know, we, we are not able to restore them to God. That's God's work alone, but he uses us in moving towards them and actually engaging, like you said, in entering in to often be the catalyst for that work. And so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. um, man, it's, it's really hard. Like you said, it, 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 it's beautiful. It's beautiful to think about what that looks like, you know, in heaven. And like someday I know it's going to be, you know, everyone will be reconciled and it'll be peaceful in heaven, but we're not there yet. And so how do we actually be in relationship and how do we have family that we aren't fully reconciled to, or we don't, you know, they aren't reconciled to us or they're still mad at us or they're holding on to things. And you're like, I just want to, I want to be at peace, but we can't be at peace. And you know, that's where I'm at. Like, what does it look like? Because if, because the Bible is true. And so I have to be able to pursue peace and make peace as far as it depends on me, even if it doesn't look how I think it should, like that has to be possible. Um, if I'm walking in true freedom. So I feel like I'm talking in circles, but I mean, it's just, it's reality of this world, right? It is. Yeah. It's messy on this side of heaven, but you know, Jesus taught us to pray your, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's why we pursue peace because that's how we are to pray and um, that it might look more like heaven here on earth. It's just really messy in the in the in-between. And uh, yeah, it's, I guess, being okay. And the humility and that Christ calls us into going, I don't know how this is going to go. I want to own my stuff. I want to, I, I want to see myself rightly. Christ, would you hold up this mirror for me? I want to see myself rightly. And then I want to pursue peace um, because you, you have made peace in my heart. You have shown me the error. And then I think too, just the gospel levels, the playing field, meaning we all have fallen short. Yeah, Every last one of us, there's not one of us that doesn't need Jesus. And so uh, Brene Brown says, people, 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 people are people. And if we look at that and go, yeah, I'm a person and you're a person. We're both really, really messy, really, really imperfect, but mm-hmm. leading in with humility and going, but Christ saved us, you know, mm-hmm. this is the hope of glory. And so I'm going to try to make peace with you even though it's not going to look perfect, which is hard yeah. for us threes, right? It's hard. We yeah. want to be perfect. Even in reconciliation, we want to be perfect. It's just hard. Yeah. And we want to achieve that ideal of like, well, this is what I think it should look like. So this is, this is what I'm going to work really hard for. And then when that doesn't pan out, you know, I see in myself just a disappointment, I think. And then maybe, well, maybe I should just stop doing everything. Maybe I should just give up, you know? And that's like, that's where I want to go in, in my, in my sin, in my like, pride is, um, if it can't be how I want it to look, but God didn't ask me to control the outcome. You know, he just asked me Mm -hmm. to be faithful with that, that mission. So that's right. That's right. Man, I we could talk all day. Um, we really could. Yes. this This has been so awesome. So I think one, one other thing that I just wanted to ask you about was, you know, I get asked sometimes by women, like, how do I, how do I know if God is 
asking me or assigning me to something? Um, how, how did you know that you should do the podcast or how did you know that you should this or that? Um, so I would just like to ask you, like, how did you know that, Mm -hmm. that Sparrow was what you were being assigned to in this season of your life? And like you said, like it is, you're holding it with open hands, but how did you know? Mm -hmm. And, and what, what gave you that confidence to like walk forward as a mom of four and a busy, busy woman? Like I said, I had tasted freedom. Mm -hmm. I had tasted true freedom and I couldn't help but um, want that for other women. And I couldn't help but want purpose for other women. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because of that, that is truly because I will never get over the fact that Christ loves us the way that he does, that he stooped low and that he was exalted high to the right hand of the father, but he stooped low, he put on flesh and he dwelt among us. Mm -hmm. And so in that he saved, redeemed, restored, he set me free and put my feet on a rock. Right. And so because of that, I'm to be a light and to do that. And so I knew that I knew when I couldn't get away from wanting to talk about and hopefully by through Jesus set other women free. Mm-hmm. It's like I couldn't help but do it, you know? Yeah. And the Lord really he provided in ways that were undeniable. And so all along the way, he just I mean, it's like and some t- some days it felt like okay, we're running. And then some days it was like two steps back and we're just going to take one step forward. You know, it wasn't always this, man, you're providing. And, but I had to really work out the, the inklings of my heart, the gross places of my heart, you know, all along the way. It's just been such a process. It's linked with my own personal journey, but yeah. I just felt yeah. affirmed. He provided and I had a mission, like as a believer, not, not as Rachel Joy, but as a believer, yeah. had a yeah. mission. And yeah. um, I wanted to pursue it with all that I had because he set me free. Mm, yeah, I love that. So I want to ask you my, my final three questions. Um, these are a little quicker. What is your favorite tip as a mom for other moms? This could be like organizing efficiency or just generally like keeping your life on track. I don't know. Do you have some some sort of like mom hack or life hack that has become part of your, your routine? I think I would encourage, okay, so we get kind of down and we want to, we want to parent our children. Like we, it's like, we want to parent the bad stuff out of them Mm. instead of calling something good up and yeah. out of them. And so I had a mentor of mine sit down with me and she was like, call what's good out of your children and do it often. Mm-hmm. And so I have made the habit of giving them kisses at night and going, do you know who you are? God mm-hmm. made you to be a warrior. This is who you are, you know? Mm-hmm. And even though we might struggle, even though we might have to pull a card at school sometimes and get on yellow, you know, mm-hmm. You're, you're a fighter because um, God made you that way. Um, or just call, I, I think just what it does for me as a mom is it centers me on what's most important and it gets me out of the weeds of the crazy and go, ultimately, like when I look back, I'm going to go, this kid in particular, although he was difficult, <laughs> although he was a wild child, although he pulled cards at school, you know what? this is who God made him to me mm-hmm. to be. And I want to parent that up yeah. out of him instead of trying to, I think I spent a lot of time early on parenting, trying to parent the bad out, mm-hmm. which is also 
it's good. It's a discipline, right? Yeah. Yeah. But there's also that other flip side. So I think if yeah. I could do anything, it's simple. I mean, it's on the way to school sometimes. It's yeah. Remember, this is who God made you to be. Fight for that today. You know, I mean, mm. so, so encur- encouraging your kids. In the in those things, I think would be something I would say. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, my husband does this thing with the girls where I mean they're still very little, but he's like, okay, let's do our truths. So their truths are. He always changes it up a little bit. He's like, you are kind, you are smart, you are important, and those are always the first three. Of course, like the help. Have you seen that? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> like you are. Yeah. Like you are a warrior, or you are loving, you are gentle, you are strong. And so they literally sometimes will go around being like, I am strong. Like, it's just so cute, but it's like, that that. is, it starts with something as simple as just speaking truth to them because we don't have truth inside of ourselves. Right. I mean, until you're actually like you, like you said, have, you know, accepted Christ into your heart in which I, I believe that the four-year-old has, the two and a half year old, you know, says she loves God. And I don't know, maybe, (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's just really cool to see them like i don't know echo back um and then that become a part of them that become a part of their identity and who they believe they are and what they believe you know it's i mean they they're saying it themselves and they start to believe it because if you're told something enough times you'll believe it um yes. and then you'll live that way and it it does impact like how you actually treat your siblings and how you respond when your mom asks you to you know go potty before we get in the car you know it's mm-hmm. like yeah, I love that. What do you do for fun? This this is a little harder for us sometimes. For fun. Um, like you're like, um, work because I love it. <laughs> I, I actually uh, met with a woman yesterday who's uh, been a mentor in my life for quite some time. Anyway, it was funny because she was like, when's the last time you painted uh, or drew anything? So that's like when I'm in a healthy place, I'm doing those things. Mm-hmm. And so I said, it's been a really long time. <laughs> I've been working really hard. And so for fun, and again, I draw the kids into some of that, like watercolor. Had you know Ruth uh, Chow? Oh my Lord, have mercy. I'm like, I wish I could paint like that. But anyway, I, that's what I do for fun. Anything artistic, anything like that. I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Same. Yes. I love painting. I was going to be like, does painting a room of my house count? But no, that does not count because that's achieving. That is yeah. <laughs> trying to do and do. Yeah. Um, so how do you rest? Mm. I, um, how do I rest? That's a really good question and very timely. My husband's on sabbatical right now. So he's mm. had eight weeks of rest from work. I don't rest often. I wish I did more, but how mm. I rest is probably the same mm-hmm. art. Having fun. Yeah. The art or yeah. reading a good book. Like I'm just, Yeah sitting in my living room, kids running around and reading a book, I think is, mm-hmm. is a happy place for me. So yeah. yeah, that's good. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. And um, where can people find more about Sparrow Conference and, and you and where should they go? Online. Yes. So you can go to sparrowwomen.com and you can get your tickets. Tickets go on sale January 7th. And it is March. The actual conference is March 29th and 30th, Dallas, Texas at the Music Hall Fair Park. Get your girlfriends to come. There is a group rate. And then also um, you can find me on Instagram at Rachel R. Joy. Um, and you can find Sparrow at Sparrow Women. That's it. Awesome. Yes. And so fun. I would love to go. I don't know if this year is going to work or not for me, but 
I need Come to get on. there. I need to get there. Sounds so uh, great. It's pretty great. We've got a great lineup this year. We've got Jen Wilkin, Jackie Hill Perry, Jamie Ivy, Jada Edwards, and uh, Ruth is coming. Mm. So um, anyway, just a just a sweet lineup of women. Uh, real stories, real talk, and it's gonna yeah. be a great weekend. So you should come. I would love to. I have two friends that I know. One friend is like, loves everything Jen Wilkin does. And she's like, always sending me like the Knowing Faith podcast. And um, yeah, so I I, I bet I could strong arm her into going. Come on, let's (laughs) do it. She's a peacemaker. So I would be like, you have to go to to stay my friend. And then she'd be like, oh my God, no. That's funny. The other one is an eight and that might not go over so well. But uh, No, no. (laughs) That's too funny. Well, it was so fun to talk with you and meet you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys loved that conversation with Rachel as much as I did. Now, I am so excited to tell you that Sparrow gave us a discount code for you to receive 10% off the ticket price from early bird up to the conference day. And that code is Kindled. So if you go to their website at sparrowwomen.com, you can register for the conference. And with the code Kindled, you will get 10% off. This conference is going to be awesome. There are so many amazing speakers coming, um, including Jada Edwards, Ruth Cho Simmons, Jackie Hill Perry, Jamie Ivey, Jen Wilkin, Lauren Chandler, and so many more. I am going and I am bringing a friend. So if you want to meet me there, go to sparrowwomen.com and use the code Kindled to get 10% off. Okay, guys. So until next week, I'm signing off and I've never said that before, but next week I am chatting with Heather McFadden of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. And this is an interview that you're not going to want to miss. So I will see you back here next week. Bye.